First time I heard that, like, he- here's the thing, right? I know, I know, I'm coming in right out of the gate. First time right. I heard it, first time I heard it, I thought, cringe. Now I hear it, and I think this is cool as fuck. Like, it, yeah, like, like, <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. It is one of those things that maybe I guess at the time it was a little bit cringy, but I, nah, I, now it goes it, off. It's like, aged very well for me. Like that, yeah. I love that part of the song. I love that song in general. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cranked and Ranked. <laughs> That's going to be the beginning of the episode. Just you say, stop, relax. Because, um, yeah, because I was going to do something stupid like, attention all planets of the Solar Federation. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got two more episodes to do, so you can oh, easily. Oh, shit. I'll do yeah. that next time. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll save that for the finale. Um, so, Ooh. yes, Cranked and Ranked is this show you're either listening to on your podcast uh, platform of choice, or you're watching it on YouTube. And um, we rank rock and metal and other kinds of music uh, discographies. And um, this is... uh, I, I think I'm more excited about this series of episodes than I have been about anything we've done. Um, wow. Just, just because I, I like talking about this band and... Um, yeah, uh, yes. So, uh, you know, as you can see by the name of this, this is, uh, Rush part one, Mm -hmm. because this will be a massive three part discography ranking of Rush. We're going to rank three, all, all of their full length studio albums, um, which, you know, really that's the majority of what they did. I think they, they have that one covers EP and everything else yeah. is you know singles and whatnot like so and live albums obviously but we could do a fucking video ranking the live albums because i think there's gotta be six seven five there's a lot you know there's, there's quite a few yeah they've that yeah and then you know but then you have ones that came out like on dvd and and whatnot uh, but yes rush is a, is our undertaking and rush is one of my favorite bands of all time but i have to say that i've learned um, over the years that I'm not really that big of a Rush fan because, you know, you know how there are fans of Star Trek and then there, are fans, of, there are fans of Star yeah. Trek who, who learn Klingon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Straight up. I'm the former when it comes to Rush. Like I love every album they ever put out. You know, I own most of their, everything I can get my hands on VHS, vinyl, whatever, um, I even forked over just recently three hundred dollars for the moving pictures big massive box set. Wow. Um, so I'm a fan. But there are those fans out there that know like every nickname that each member has for each other. Yeah. And and nicknames <laughs> they have for particular songs. And I don't know what Alex had for breakfast on, you know, February I mean, the seventeenth. It might as well eighty one. And, yeah. I, you know, and there's there's a part of me that I do I do you know wish that I could be in the cool club like that, but um, there's just too much shit that I that has my attention um, that yeah. isn't just Rush. 
So, mm. um, so while Rush is one of my favorite bands, um, you could say that I, I, you know, I'm not the greatest fan in the world because I, you know, I don't know all of these things. I think we did a, we did a video, which was how well do you know your favorite bands? And yeah. you asked me some question like what concentration <laughs> camp were Getty Lee's parents in or something. And I'm like, why would I know that? Well, the, the thing is you'd conveyed that you, you knew so much about the bands that you'd picked. I thought, yeah. I thought, I don't want to, I don't want to patronize you by saying, which Rush album came out in 1981, you know, or something like that. That would have been but, easier. But I mean, yeah. So I guess, so I guess, so I guess when it comes down to it, like my, you know, when I have favorite bands, it's, it's really mostly musically speaking. I think Metallica mm. is probably one of the only bands where I think I know a shitload about them personally as well. Um, yeah, but, not, from, but once again, me, not as much as some, so. That's the thing. For, for me, I have like five bands I know a shitload about. And yeah. then the the rest I know the odd fun, like fun fact here or there. But yeah. like my top five being like Metallica, Megadeth, Alice in Chains, Faith No More, and Ugly Kid Joe. Yeah. Like I know their stories inside and out. Mm-hmm. Once, you know, once you look at a band like uh, fucking... Led Zeppelin, which, you know, I love. Yeah. But I still hear things from time to time where I'm like, I did not know that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think Rush is never going to, that's never going to end with me for Rush. Cause I think, you know, every book that I've read about Rush always ends up telling me something that I didn't already know. Um, but so first off, I just want to point out that I am drinking coffee out of my cranked and ranked coffee mug that you can I get. am also. Drinking out or and it says peanut butter platypus yeah. on on one side and it has our our images on the other side and uh, our mug on up. a mug you can pick that up um, if you're watching this on YouTube just you know scroll down and uh, but if there's there's links and shit but um, in the podcast world um, head over to um, oldhead.myspreadshop.com I think that's what it is. Anyway, yeah. that's that's as long as I'm going to do that commercial. Um, but yeah, if you want to support us, that is a that is a way to do it. Because, um, you know, we provide all this uh, top quality entertainment for free. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> but, so as we usually start off um, with bands that we're going to do their discographies, we always talk about where this band came into our lives. And for me, I was a I was a child, and I think like a lot of people who were young in the 80s, you would listen to classic rock radio, yep. and you would hear Tom Sawyer, Spirit of Radio, Limelight, uh, you know, those those things. Um, hmm. And probably around, I started to get really interested in their music, 89, 90, um, but then in, I think it was either 1990 or 91, where my older brother bought me the compilation Chronicles, Rush Chronicles. And so I was, I don't know, I was 12 or or 11 or 12. And I just remember like feeling like this was the most sophisticated rock music I'd ever listened to. And it, and it was a really big deal for me because it, that, I think that was the moment I started to really pay attention to what musicians were actually doing in music. Because prior to that, it was just rock music, and maybe I paid attention to the guitar player the most. Uh, maybe mm. if there was a drum solo, I'd pay attention to the drummer. But I think Rush was a band that 
that was the the originally the beginning of me starting to pull apart all the pieces of a particular thing and be like, oh well, he's because because they're so they they all three have such unique voices in every Rush song, you know, Getty and Alex and Neil all are very like it's some some bands everything's just a big you know hodgepodge and it comes out as it comes out, but you these sound like three individual musicians with their own you know, unique spin on what they're doing. And, and that, and yeah. so that, that was it for me. So I, I became a Rush fan and gradually over the years, I became a bigger and bigger and bigger Rush fan. And then flash forward to the past five to 10 years. Um, it's gotten to the point now where I, you know, I, I just, I, they're one of my favorites and I love, I love every single album. So this ranking was really tough for me. Because yeah. literally just an hour ago, I was going through my notes and listening to a little bit off of the albums that I'm going to be talking about on today's episode. And even then, I almost started rearranging them again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This so is going to be... I had to stop. I was going to say, this is going to be one of the most rapid approaches to the love zone, love zone of any band we've done. Because you're, and- you're pretty much... So, so prior to doing this... How much Rush did you actually know? I knew th- these albums are are as follows. So I knew Twenty One Twelve. I knew that one pretty well. It's a classic. Same as Moving Pictures. A little bit of Permanent Waves as well. So really, the the big ones. Yeah, yeah. That get talked about the most. Um, but I also, you know, happened upon the. Uh, um, I think this was like uh, a borrowed CD from my uncle. He had the mm-hmm. Retrospectives yeah. album. So mm-hmm. that had a pretty across the board thing. And I knew a lot of, well, m- most of the hits from Rush. Yeah. But like, they're not just a greatest hits band. Like they are a whole discography band. These guys fucking rule. Like, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. agree. And so just for just for the comfort of the individuals out there who who have joined us, who are really big Rush fans, as, as far as I know, you didn't just go listen to every album one time. It seems like you went a little more in depth than that. Who, me? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I went uh, I went back through a couple times and listened to each of the albums I think I got through most of the albums at least twice, some of them three times. Yeah. Um and there's just they're one of those bands that really does benefit from repeat listens mm-hmm. because for a for a band of just 3 people there's so much going on, you know, mm-hmm. sonically. Um especially when you get into like the 80s and stuff and how layered everything is and eventually they kind of become a mishmash of their 70s 80s like everything they'd done to that point and they just kind of keep evolving from there yeah and like uh, man like this was an undertaking but it was worth every minute because it was all enjoyable so this is this is kind of like the reverse of when we did toto because you know and and i guess judas priest too um, where, whereas you, you knew the stuff pretty well and I was pretty much brand new. Um, yeah. You're leading the Toto. charge here. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, but like I said, I'm not, I'm not an Uber fan. So if we do have people that are joining us that are, 
Um, we're just two dudes that love music and love talking about music. Um, um, neither one of us, especially me, is uh, uh, claiming to be a Rush expert. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, so today we're going to be ranking the bottom third, which we've decided, because it's 19 albums total, uh, yeah. but we decided to, to this is going to be the bottom seven. And then episode two and, and three will be six and two more two more groupings of six. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you probably know math, so I don't, <laughs> didn't need to help with that. Um, so, yeah. And so this is probably the roughest episode for me because mm. I didn't want anything to be last. Like, like no, yeah. <laughs> no album <laughs> needed to be last. Um, so at one point I had to just kind of walk away. Because I had rearranged things two or three times and finally just said, okay, at the end of the day, who the fuck cares? Who cares what my opinion is? <laughs> it's, you know, as we say on this show often, the ranking is, is the least important part of the episode. The most important part is talking about the band's discography and the band and, and you know, having a conversation. So if you're down for that, you're in the right place, if you're new. I just have a feeling that maybe there's going to be a handful of of Rush fans that are saying, oh, well, who are these assholes? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and, uh, so, yeah, welcome to to our show, Cranked and Ranked Assholes. <laughs> um, At least we can take solace in the fact that we know that with our rankings, there's like, there's really no wrong answer because it's all no. good stuff, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, calling, a, just- calling a Rush album like, the worst i would go as far as to say least favorite in this case sure they rush has in my, they have like their their albums own they don't even have a not good album it's it's mm. it's you, they either have amazing fucking awesome or great like that is yeah. the those are the three levels of rush <laughs> albums i literally and, split it up into good tier great tier and classic tier like yeah that's, that's how i divided the list up yeah, and you and you said you had an, an an interesting way of coming at your ranking, so I'm I'm interested to hear how that goes because it is it is tricky because I I would say that there are three distinct uh, eras of Rush, um, yes. original originally in the '70s, which leads you know the '70s sound all the way through them being the proggiest they were ever going to be. Obviously, the second era in the '80s when the keyboards come in and everything things get a little bit simplified. Um, and then in the early '90s, I would say that's when the third era of Rush really starts, where it's uh, like you said, it is. They do kind of pull from things that they had already done, but it's almost like a more uh, relaxed and confident version of what they what they did. They're not trying to like, you know, there's no, there's no, there, there's, it, there's, 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 there, there are really cool parts, but it's almost like they're not trying to be flashy all the time or. Or or have odd time signatures all the time or whatever, um, it's it's uh it's interesting going through their discography in that respect when you go from the first album to the last, just hearing um, their story, which I've said many times on this podcast that um, what makes a band a favorite band of mine is when you go through their discography, the the story and how things unfold and how their sound evolves and changes or reverts or whatever happens with whatever band you're talking about. That's what makes them, them a great band to me. So a band like this, you're going to hear a lot of, um, a lot of nice things coming out of my mouth yeah. because, because <laughs> they, they are the ultimate for that kind of uh, discography. So I guess 
if you have anything to add, we'll we'll do that now. But otherwise, I say we we jump into our bottom. It sounds bad to say bottom. The the, <laughs> the lower third seven of uh, of Rush. Cool. So my number nineteen Rush album is Vapor Trails. The, okay. All right. So this is the first Rush album since '96. Mm-hmm. After some really unfortunate, sad family bereavements in Neil Peart's life. Yeah. Like, how the dude even carried on the way he did, knowing he lost his he lost his wife and daughter in the same year. Like, no wonder he had to take some time away, because holy shit. Yeah, I mean, and the, and at that at that point, the, the future of the band was uncertain. I think I don't know if you've ever mm. seen the the Rush documentary. Um, uh, beyond the lighted stage, I highly recommend it if you haven't, because it's just enjoyable anyway. But it, I but literally it go- had it like it queued up in Netflix, and when I went back to watch it, it wasn't there, so it's no, not on no there. No way, that's yeah, yeah. Um, I know. I was like, oh, right when we we're supposed to do Rush, the documentary evaporated. Like but they, <laughs> they, but they do talk about how you know Alex and 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 Getty you know, they, at, at certain times they were assuming that Rush was just done, completely done. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but this is, this is, this is, I guess their comeback from all of that. And especially Neil's comeback from all of that. Hmm. Yeah. Some heavy shit, but like even this album opens really well. Like you got our little victory, like, Oh shit, this is heavy. Like there's like double kick right out of the gate. Kind of like, it's kind of like it, it, it in the riff department it reminds me of the uh what's it called miserlu or that has a similar kind of vibe to that yeah but you know in a much more groovy kind of prog rock sense and it's a really groovy song mm-hmm. uh ceiling unlimited has this like airy soaring sort of sound of sound to it it's like one of those songs that sounds like you're flying through the clouds, you know? Um, Ghost Rider is this vibey rock song. Uh, I'll end up saying that a lot on this album, and this is going to be one of my critiques here at the end. Uh, Peaceable Kingdom is a groovy track. It kind of reminds me of like what would happen if uh, someone put Arabian kind of melodies over a Rage Against the Machine song in a strange way. Okay. Uh, see, that's the thing. They were always pulling from other stuff but they still made it their own you know they they didn't at any point they didn't at any point not sound like rush Mm -hmm. but they always managed to make their sound fresh you know uh stars look down vibey grooves cool vocals from getty lee how it is how it is is like it feels like a bit of a throwback to some of their 70s stuff at times Mm -hmm. vapor trail cool song Secret Touch, another cool vibey track. Earthshine. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of really cool ideas on this album, but a lot of them are quite similar. They're all kind of in a similar wheelhouse. Um, Sweet Miracle, pretty cool song, great vocal parts. Nocturne is this slow burner that really goes off when it wants to. Uh, Freeze, part four of Fear. Mm. Proggy song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, you know... Out of the Cradle, this airy, vibey, closing rock track. This album, to me, all in all, the reason it's down here at the bottom 
it's a bit too samey to justify its length and it has a production style that doesn't do them enough justice compared do, to other albums. Are, are you, is the version you heard the remixed version or the original? See, I've, I heard the remix, but I heard that the original was, there's a reason they remixed it. <laughs> it's, it's a, yeah, it's a little bit brick walled, um, mm. and, and compressed. Um, there, I thought it sounded I, a little murky as well. I honestly like things about both mixes. I think the remixes is, is, is easily better, but the original one, there's an energy to it that's, cause that's how I first heard it. And so, yeah. um, so because of that, that's just how the album sounds. And so the remix version, I had to get kind of used to it, but I, I think it, in the end it, it is better. Hmm. Yeah. That that's, this is one of those cases where you could argue that the remix did it better. Cause like sometimes, you know, you and I both can be quite picky with when a band will remaster something and it, they'll, yeah. they'll like remove the personality of the album. Say like when, when Pearl Jam took the reverb off of 10 and I was like, no, yeah. that's why I like 10, <laughs> like put it back. Um, but yeah, it, 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 for, for me, it's good. Mm-hmm. I can't call any Rush album less than good, but it, it, it's a production meets running time issue for me. And that's, is kind of a recipe for dropping to the bottom of the list for me. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. All right. So that my number 19, I hate, I hate that any album had to go at, at the last place. Um, but after much uh, stressing and uh, reorganizing, my 19 uh, became Snakes and Arrows from 2007, okay. um, which is their 18th album. And um, I really feel like, you know, what you're referring to, like with, with Vapor Trails, like they, they, they sound to me like reinvigorated on that album. And Snakes and Arrows is kind of a continuation of the, the reinvigorated rush. Um. But here's the thing, like, just when I kept going back to this album, I, I, I had to, like, listen to them in different ways for my ranking. Because first, there's just, you know, the how I feel about them. And then, you know, is how different is it from what they've already done? Where How did they move forward in this particular album? And then at the very end, it became, like, how many bangers? Like, how many songs make me go, oh! And so I started just having to number that. Like, you know, it's I had to think of all these different ways to like order things. And at the end, like this one, I guess, had the least amount of the the, mm. the bangers, if you will. But the thing is, this is, you know, their their dead last album, in my opinion, but it's way better than anything their contemporaries have done. You know, it's like <laughs> any band from that era that's still doing stuff now and was still doing stuff in 2007 were not putting out this level of quality in music. Yeah. And um, I guess it ended up going here because to me, following Vapor Trails, this one isn't quite as interesting to me. It's still really good. Um, but the problem with a lot of later um, Rush albums is that there's a they they like you said there's a merging of things that they that they had done and there all of a sudden becomes a middle of the road rush where yeah. it's it's not anything surprising it's things like oh well I, I clearly I knew that they could do this 
And so I think with Snakes and Arrows, it veers way too much into the middle of, uh, you know, stuff that, you know, isn't really surprising, but is still, you know, top quality shit. So, um, so yeah, it just, it, it, the, that with the, with the later albums, that's the, that's another thing I had to take into account. Like how much middle of the road do they go? Cause I'm okay with <laughs> middle of the road rush, but I like it when they sprinkle in some things here and there where you weren't quite expecting it. Um, which they do on every album. I just think in this one, in Snakes and Arrows, it's the least amount of me kind of going, ooh, yeah, um, <laughs> out of all their albums. So that's my number 19, Snakes and Arrows. Cool. So my number 18 is Test for Echo. Okay. So, like, I think this album is underrated uh-huh. as far as albums go. But if we're doing a, a rush ranking, it like as I said, no rush album is below good. And I'm gonna get I'm gonna get into that. Like, yeah. Test test for echo, vibey and heavy. Like I love the like kind of jangly clean guitars at times. Uh I love the opening track a lot. Has it but it has like a little bit of a tool vibe to it. Again, pulling from kind of contemporary stuff but applying it to their core sound you know yeah yeah uh driven is this riffy rocker really cool song speaking of that you could say the riff from driven sounds kind of tool also yeah you know it's it's it does have a i mean i click i mean i think that they're they were they had to have been fans of tool you know i mean yeah i mean it's just they they seem like they're they're cut from the same cloth really yeah i i definitely get that vibe a few times on this album like uh half the world there's a lot of real cool vibey instrumentation going on here uh-huh. it's a very sonically interesting album and it's like half the world is pretty damn catchy these first three songs left me much more impressed than the things i'd heard about this album you know people saying the album if any rush album was like sleepwalked through but even then this album is really cool. The, the Color yeah. of Right has some nice guitar melodies in it. Um, time and Motion. I think this album definitely took hints from their like 90s prog contemporaries a decent amount. You know, I know Rush influenced prog bands like Dream Theater, but again, sonically, this album has a lot of moments that make me think, yep, this is the mid-90s prog metal sound for- a lot of times yeah um again still sounds unique to them though uh totem sounds like a 70s rush song with 90s production dog years has kind of like motorhead vibes in the riffage mm-hmm. uh virtuality is really groovy resist is this big cerebral ballad sounding track limbo another very cerebral thing um and then you get Carve Away the Stone, which is this vibey rock closer. Again, the the album's vibe is is really cool. But I, I it's not so much a case of I think this album isn't good. It's that they made even better than this. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. This is the um, most positive bottom episode we've ever done. It's absolutely true. Um, and also, uh, for those of you who are playing the drinking game at home, this is our first matchup. My number 18 is also Test for Echo. Hey. Uh, from 1996. Um, th- 
So it's their 16th album. Like, and I would say, like, you know, sonically speaking, it sounds really good. Like, production-wise, mm. sounds great. Um, this is, and this is them well into, you know, third era Rush, where they yeah. they they kind of switched gears a little bit. Um, and um, and the middle of the road stuff has already started to happen. And there, there is there is some of that on this album. Um, but, but I, so in that respect, I would compare it, you know, to snakes and arrows, but this one does have, I guess, I guess I understand why somebody would say sleepwalk through because it does have a more relaxed vibe, even, even in the heavier parts, it seems, it seems a little more understated than what they're known for doing. It could be the production style as well that, that, that leads to that. But, um, this one, for the most part, you know, ended up not being number 19 because it's got more the, the high, a higher amount of bangers, in my opinion. Um, you know, and we are I talked about Driven. Driven is like is a fucking great song. But um, every there are so many songs have parts that just I, I, I think are amazing. Like Virtuality is a really good example because it does start off with with something that I'm just I'm just like, oh, fuck, I forgot how you because eventually because <laughs> that's the thing. Starting in the mid '80s or so, you know, Rush, uh, you know, the music along with Neil's uh, lyrics, they started to get really good at just writing songs, where yeah. there didn't need to be an odd time signature or or create or, or heavy riffs. It, the comment it's almost like the the I would say that in the '70s. You, you you used your brain a lot when listening to Rush. And then in the 80s, you used your heart a little more um, yeah. in some of the stuff that they were writing. And they got really, they got really good at that to where like they don't need to do that all the time. So you started, to, you would, you would get those, those sections in an album where you would have a song where you just like kind of get lost in how beautiful it is. And then the next song would have some sort of riff that you just go, Oh, all right. We're here. We are again. Um, And test for echo has a lot of that going on for me. But um, once again, it does, uh, it does suffer from the middle of the road stuff um, a little bit too much. And um, at the end of the day, like, you know, comparing albums like this to albums that are lower in my list, like it's just, or higher my list, I guess you would say. Um, yeah, something had to go somewhere at the end. And, and the ones that, that, that don't make me want to just jump out of my chair, um, are the ones (laughs) that ended up close to the end. And test for echo is a great album, but, and it's, um, it's definitely a grower. Like I like it more now than I did when it came out. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it, it, it ends up, it ends up at number 18 for our first matchup. Um, I didn't think I, for some reason I thought we wouldn't match up at all. I just had a feeling that our ranking <laughs> was just going to be completely all over the place from each other. But, um, we seem, I mean, we've we, still we're, got we're, 17 we're, albums, but we're kind of in the same area though. We're already, you know, we've, we've started off kind of in the same zone, but, uh, let's see where it goes from here. Cool. Well, to kind of keep it to that same zone, my number 17 is snakes and arrows. So, <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah. Like this album again it's cool but it it's middle of the road considering some of the rest of their catalog you know yeah. um far cry 
awesome opening track. Sleazy mm. riffs, much better production than its predecessor. Um, yeah. Ar- armor and Sword, some real vibey groovage here. Working Them Angels is a great song. Love that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Larger Bowl, kind of ballady prog track. Mm-hmm. Like it. Uh, Spindrift, it's like heavy and mysterious. Uh, the Main Monkey Business, great, great title of a song there. Yeah, that is a yeah. cool, that's a cool title. Uh, but like the riffs in it are killer. The, uh, the Way the Wind Blows uh, feels like a modern take on their more bluesy 70s rock songs. I feel like there's at least one song on these later albums that you could at least at least one track you could directly trace to their 70s work yeah um hope is this nice folky instrumental uh, faithless big cerebral song bravest face also rather cerebral that's a that's an adjective i'm going to use a lot in this because it you know it's brainy music you know it's yeah. very you know it's very smart smartly crafted stuff uh, yeah. good news first Rockin' song with a cool solo, malignant narcissism. That could all that could almost be a a, a death song. It? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like, like looking at the title of it, but uh, it's a cool instrumental. It's got a nice Eastern flavor to it, uh, which I love. Mm-hmm. Uh, we and we hold on is a is a great closer. Honestly, like if it wasn't for the sheer amount of of bangers that they'd already done this yeah. would still be a, a a enjoyed release and i mean damn dude to be this late in the game putting this quality stuff out still yeah like you say compared to a lot of their contemporaries like there's not a lot of like latter day stuff from a lot of bands that i re- will revisit nearly as much as their early stuff yeah however with rush i don't think that matters because they were just good from the start and kept being good till they were gone like Plus they, did, they didn't go through that 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 unfortunate period that a lot of these bands do not just 70s bands but 80s bands we've talked about too where in the 2000s they all seemed to be struggling with what the fuck they want to do or how to do yeah. it or and so you know and rush never I mean, I'm sure you know internally they struggled to figure out what the fuck they wanted to do. But in the end, you know, it's like for those of us who are fans, you know, you know, it was it was just a confidence that yeah, you know, they they may have their struggles, but in the end they're going to come out and we're going to get something that's going to be you know of a of a really high quality because that's all they ever did. Yeah, and I man, like this is going to be an absolute love fest like when (laughs) you know when when you know people have got this queued up to listen to they could end up with like almost like seven hours worth of just rush worship to listen to on a bad day if you're having a shitty day just binge this three-parter yeah yeah (laughs) us us in a good mood Um, yeah so uh so okay so here's here's where i leave you um i'm gonna i'm gonna travel away from you a little bit for my number 17 mm. i'm actually going way back to as we uh, go a little something like this yeah kick it um <laughs> not as not not as way back as you might think uh 1989 my number 17 album is presto from 1989 
which is their 13th album. And Presto is, you know, easily like the beginning of them transitioning out of the keyboard era, although there's still plenty of keyboards on this album. And <laughs> the guitars might be more prominent, but the production style says 80s. <laughs> it's yeah. very much so. I think um, sonically it's the most me rush album. Probably there's wise. a lot of reverb. There's a lot yeah. of reverb <laughs> in there. Um, but, but, you know, comparatively speaking, it does have uh, a, a very, a very big rock energy to it, even though it mm-hmm. still does have some key, the keys and some, you know, some eighties uh, tropes, I guess of production. Um, but it's got a lot of really strong songs. And um, the you know while this ends up at seventeen, because to me it's it is a bit of a transitional album. Um, so it has that feel to me where I think they're that you do kind of hear them kind of, you know, not quite comfortable in their skin. Yeah. What know, do we do? Figuring yeah. out where they want to go, but still putting out this fantastic album. And not only that, you ha- there's songs on here. Like a song like Scars is a really good indication that they are still, they still have like such a desire to experiment, you know? Um, And that's what I like. And I think that that pretty much never, I would say once you got well into the 90s, it wasn't so obvious the experimentation. But, you know, that's the thing that I like about a lot of their earlier stuff is that you would always have something in there where you could tell that they had an idea and they weren't quite, you know, we have never really done something like this before. Let's run with it. And, um, I like that kind of shit. Um, so there, there are some less interesting moments on this album, but uh, overall it's a really engaging album. And I do think even though I'm putting it here at 17, I would say that this is an underrated rush album because, I think that it does it does probably in the same way that Test for Echo does. It has a quality that feels a little more light. Um yeah. but I think once again that probably has to do with the production and not necessarily with the performances because um like I said, there's plenty of guitar on this album. But um yeah, in the end it went it went here just because of the the transitional nature of it and the fact that the album that came before it and the album that came after it are really strong albums. And this one is just a really good album. Um, so um, it ended up at uh, number 17, Presto. Cool. So my number 16. Now, I think we could deviate here because okay. I I tried to rejig some of my some of my things here, mm-hmm. but I just in, in the end, it, it kept winding up the same way. My number six, <laughs> my number sixteen is Clockwork Angels. <laughs> okay, okay, that's your first. And that's your first shocked face you're gonna get from me in this ranking. <laughs> yeah, I could, I could get a few. Um, and, and again, it's it's not a it's not a jab at the quality of stuff on here. It's more of an appraisal of the things that managed to be above it because let's 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 pause here for a second because i'm going to tell you this right now um i'm wrong (laughs) this album is out of out of i think out of all their albums this is the one that grows insanely 
the more you yeah. listen to it. So I really think that give give yourself a whole lot of time. You're going to go back to it one day and be like, wait, I put this where? <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> it's going to happen at some point. Mark my words. But, uh, but yeah. yeah. I'm, I, I have like, and, and again, I think Rush albums have been, you know, barring one of them, have been across the board well produced. Mm-hmm. But like, I just have a few uh biases to, towards like oh, I, the oh, 70s yeah. and 80s sounds we, we, we get we both have to let our preferences come through you know our yeah. personal preferences yeah but like my god this is still a case of going out with a bang like holy shit they went out on a high for this to be their last Hell yeah last record like god damn caravan sleazy riffs in this one as well as having a cool chorus to it uh bu to b uh the grooves in this are ace clockwork angels that like it's that intellectual rush sound in full effect Mm -hmm. again um also i want to state like this is the most solid album they'd done in like 20 years uh in terms of like confidence songs vibe production it's all there yeah like i think of all of the latter day rush albums i think people will will likely say this one you know has aged will age the best i guess like as a swan song i mean it already has like it's you know in in the time from from it coming out to now for me it's gone from an album that i thought was really great to being an album that is Stands like it's fucking be- it's a beautiful album to me Just, yeah. I, I, and 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 every every track mm. uh the anarchist is awesome like again this late in the game that they're still putting out quality stuff like no one is bored of the rush sound you know <laughs> yeah carney's uh heavy groovage yes please mm-hmm. halo effect big old song with plenty of orchestration seven cities of gold again that nice sassy riffage once again mm-hmm. the wreckers everything they write sounds so grand like they just shit gold you know <laughs> yeah yeah uh headlong flight is just some fast driving rock love that mm-hmm. uh bu2b2 is this sh- short but sweet little track wish them well more rush doing what they do best and the garden like what a song to go out on like mm. their legacy is gonna echo for generations to come yeah oh man like this even- is what, this is why and th- this album is the kind of thing what i'm trying to remember what oh it was black sabbath like this is what i'm talking about how when i listen to 13 by black sabbath and it's such a depressing yeah. end to a band but then on the <laughs> other hand you get clockwork angels which is like it, it's it's an amazing album to me, but also it makes me kind of sad because I'm all like, oh man, what would they have done after this? But would mm. I have want would I have wanted that because maybe it would have been still really good, but not quite as good as Clockwork Angels. And you know, it's, so it's one of those things where things happen the way that they happen, and I think it wrapped up perfectly, in my opinion. Yeah, it's. I mean, damn, dude. For for my number sixteen to still be this, yeah, you know, yeah, it's, yeah indicative of how fucking good a discography this is man like wow yeah 
like I'm even looking at the upper parts of my list to remind myself why I put that there, and I'm like, well, it's I still e- agree with myself, but it's it, easy. I to, feel dirty. You yeah, know? <laughs> it's also easy to forget because we're just waiting around in these albums. But then if you really take a glance at what we haven't talked about, it's like, oh well, yeah, <laughs> of course, <laughs> of course, we'll get there. Um, but honestly, like my my number sixteen is is another album that like I put it here and I'm like oh why why did I put it this slow <laughs> but um but it it ended up here uh, uh, my number sixteen is Counterparts from 1993 yeah. um, which is their fifteenth album to me this is the true beginning of the third era of Rush it starts with Counterparts yeah and then you know wraps up with Clockwork Angels um. Because it's the first one where they've shedded every last bit of the 80s. Like, I feel like even yeah. even Roll the Bones, I love that album, but it's still, even in 91, there's a little bit of 80s left over in that, whereas Counterparts, I feel like they were fully in the 90s. And you could even say that with, because I remember watching yeah. Headbangers Ball, and they the Headbangers Ball played the video for Stick It Out. And I just remember being like, I was already into Rush, but I was like, they got heavier. And, yeah, <laughs> and there's a few songs on this album that are heavy, but I would say you know if you're coming into this album thinking it's all heavy, then it's it's not. It's mm. you know it's it's just as varied as every you know Rush album, but um, it does start off like really 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 strong, mm. um, and then with, like I've been saying with a lot of these albums with counterparts, it, later on in the album it does get a little bit middle of the road, a little bit safe, um. But it's still an, a very solid album, and 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 at the time it was a big thing because it kind of proved that they were a band that had staying power. Because this was 1993, so yeah. the, the guard has already changed over to grunge. Grunge is already to some people old news, and yeah, you know they come out with something that you know doesn't necessarily sound like they're trying to be trend hopping with their, with the, the little bit of heaviness on songs like stick it out. But yeah, but they sound just as vital and, and, and um, relevant as they, as they did in the eighties, you know, it's like, so it's um that alone makes it a really cool album because it's, it seems, it seems like they're very, they're not, they don't really give two shits about, what's going on trend wise in music, but they also do seem like the kind of dudes that were probably on top of that and probably enjoyed a lot of that shit. You know, I'm pretty sure they were into the, you know, grunge bands and I know they were, you know, they, they were, they were buds with, with, you know, other bands that were not necessarily, uh, rush type bands. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, so I think that when counterparts came around, it was just, you know, it was just one of those things where like, you know, an older band still has the juice to put out something that stands up with all the other things that are happening in 1993. Um, but uh, yeah, but I do think that, you know, it does, it, it does, uh, it does, it does have a, a bit of a safety element in some of the songs that, that I, that they, they didn't, they didn't, I feel like that. I don't know if I would have liked it if they had gone heavy the entire album or not. Um, cause I liked that they were honest to who they were, but I feel like this album would have been higher on my list if it had been a statement of, oh, we're a rock band, you know, here's, yeah. here's, <laughs> here's some heavy ass shit. Um, I, you know, cause like some people would have hated that, but I probably would have loved it. Um, 
Yeah. But it ends up at number 16 j- just because of that. It's got really strong shit. It's a very solid album, but it does. It still has a little bit of middle of the roadness to some of it, um, but does have some fucking, fucking killer songs on it. And and when I say killer songs, like that's the thing is I always like to point out that like I'm not a. Uh, there are people who are more in the '70s rush camp and people who are more in the '80s or later rush camp. Like there and but my preferences are all over the place. Yeah, because you know some of my favorite. Rush stuff, like if I compiled all my favorite songs, they they go through every era and they go mm. through every style of song. It doesn't just have to be, you know, a proggy epic song, which I would love. It could also be something um, on, on counterparts that's a little more heartfelt, you know? Yeah. Um, Nobody's hero. That great example, Nobody's yeah. Hero. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's, they, they do have those songs that literally like, I feel it in my, my heart. Like, it's like, I'm like, how did they, you know, it's the combination of the song, obviously the musicians and, 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 and Neil's lyrics where he just had such a poetic, but yet not, um, it was it was a welcoming way. He would word things really well. Like he was off, he was clearly very well read and 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 very good at writing lyrics. But his lyrics never came across as pretentious. Like there was a wall between you and him. It was like yeah. he was inviting you in to whatever it is he was writing about. And so it's really easy to get lost in that because it's not. It feels like sometimes the songs are kind of about you. You know, it's you know they're they're, they're I think every Rush fan has that has at least a handful of songs where they go, I relate so much to this song. And I don't know, going off on that tangent, but yeah, counterparts has kind of both of those things going on on it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so it, things had to go lower down counterparts ends up at uh, number 16. Cool. So now we approach like the 15 zone. Wow. Any, anything this low, it hurt me to put it here, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, this is the part where it, you know it starts getting painful to see it in this episode but yeah like i will say i think i did a pretty damn good job of keeping it fair to every era mm-hmm. because um i'm pretty much about to list off one from each that came out at the bottom so my number 15 is roll the bones oh all right i know i mean that's that one's that one's a personal favorite um spoiler alert but uh but i do i i actually i do understand it being in this episode well here's the thing right and and again like i said at the start when it comes to a rushed list there's like no wrong answer this list could change on any day because it depends on the mood it depends on the mood i'm in like if i if I want to hear like a 20 minute song, 70s Rush is where you, you go. If you want to listen to a, you know, heavily affected Getty Lee rap on a song, I go to this one, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I, I mean, I don't even know. Is it, is, I mean, is that Getty Lee's voice? This is, this is where the, the real Rush fans come in and tell me who actually does that part. Um, I looked into it. It is. It's, he's it is got Getty an effect Lee. on it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's one, you know, sometimes you don't know, you want to, you don't want to know how the sausage is made. Um, you know, 
<laughs> but uh, and I'm pretty sure I've probably read that it was him that did the that did the vocals there. But I just sort of let it slip out of my mind, and I'm just like, I don't want to know. I just want this part of the song just to be this cool because <laughs> it's uh, the song is already affected in a way for me because there was a, a later. I don't remember if it was the Time Machine tour or the Forty tour, but um. You know they would they would sometimes have videos play behind them, and then when they got to the rap part of Roll the Bones, um, it was all these different people, like celebrities and whatnot, doing it. And one of it one of them was uh, Jason Siegel and Paul Rudd um, no doing it because I don't know I don't know. Here's the point where I ask you the really important question: Have you seen the movie I Love You, Man? I have not. Okay, so do yourself a favor. <laughs> Because it is one of my favorite movies ever. Uh, a big part of that is because it has a lot to do with Rush. And um, and so that always makes me happy when I get to that part. I, re- I remember seeing Paul Rudd and Jason Siegel kind of rapping um, that part. <laughs> but but I Love You Man is I Love You Man is a movie that I, I went to go see it in the theater only because I, I've always been a fan of Paul Rudd. I have a weird, I have a man crush on him, as I, as I assume many people do, and he just makes me laugh. And I like Jason Segel as well. And so I just went to this movie, like, oh, let's go see this 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 funny comedy movie. And then like twenty or thirty minutes into the into the movie, all of a sudden they start talking about Rush, and then Rush becomes like a part, you know, a, a kind of a part of the story. And I'm just like, this is like, this is amazing. And Rush are in in the movie. I mean, they perform in the movie, um, but. Uh, I just love that movie so much. It is so fucking funny. And, um, and like, you I'll know, to check it out. Yeah. But yeah, it's just the, just the rush conversations and parts alone, um, make that movie amazing, but it's just, it's just a really great movie. But anyway, roll the bones. <laughs> hey, that's a, that was a yeah. tangent, but still related to what we were talking about. <laughs> Hell yeah. Like this, like uh, I'm gonna jump right into jump right into the songs. Yeah. Let's 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 get talking about the music, man. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So, yeah, Dreamline. Yeah. This yeah. album yeah. is, it's the next logical step from Presto. Like it still has that big late '80s, early '90s production, but it's again another step in the more guitar-driven zone sure. than it is like there, there's a very clear lineage you can trace from uh presto all the way up to where they would end up yeah in the modern you know modern day because it's like okay guitars are back still a lot of synth guitars are back again slightly less synth but it's still there and then still you get there. the counterparts and it, and then it's like synths are in the past for now yeah. Might come back, but we're heavy right now. Yeah. Ish. But <laughs> like <laughs> uh yeah, roll the bones. This is one of those albums that could climb like seven places on the right day. Yeah. But uh I mean, Bravado has some vibey stuff in it, oh, almost yeah. kind of U two U two sounding at points, but my god, like Neil Peart's drumming in the like this song. I'm pretty sure it's bravado. It's like a fucking lesson in limb independence, man. Like some of the stuff he plays from time to time, just like, uh-huh. and, and he has this way of making it look easy. Uh, you oh know? yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, you know, like, 
and you know some drummers you look at them play and it and it's like oh wow yeah he's really having to like mull that over in his head and it, it whereas like neil makes it look so effortless like he's into it but he's like i can do this while writing a fucking term paper man yeah like, it's, and it's like <laughs> but um and he, oh, and, he pur- and he purposely made shit more complicated for himself which later on he yeah. probably he was kicking himself <laughs> for that but i mean just the fact that like your 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 normal drummers you know they they have you know there's great drummers but you know they've got their drum kit but he ended up you know evolving to having a drum kit that wrapped all the way around him and yeah. had like chimes, chimes and bells and 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 uh, yeah. and uh, electronic drum pads that he incorporated and and a wood, fucking xylophone wood, thing xylophones <laughs> wood blocks like he just he you know and that's why like i that's i i you know he's an amazing drummer as a drummer but the thing that i loved about him is that he was not just happy being that he wanted to have more to do with the actual song and so yeah. that's why like he would play the 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 xylophone you know or or whatever needed for a particular song and so it's almost like his his importance in the band you know he you could say that he was the most important person in that band because not only did he play the drums that well he added all these other elements into the songs and he wrote the fucking lyrics so it's like you know he, he was he was you know the guy that's why like you know when he died like it was it was sad because neil died um, it was yeah. even more sad because you're just like that. Well, Rush is done. Like, even though they had mm. already said they were done, you always had that thing in the back of your head where you're like, eh, maybe we'll get like at least maybe a one-off show, something, um, or maybe yeah. we'll at least just get something where we get to see the guys hanging out. Because that's one of the best things in the world is this when those three guys are together just talking and cutting up, and you're just like, yeah, I love their their relationship with each other is is mm. a, is um is infectious. And so, you know, so yeah. So obviously like he's gone and I'm like, well, that's the, yeah, the, the book of rush is, is closed and nailed the fuck shut. Um, yeah. Cause so yeah. he, he was such an integral part of the whole thing. You know, he wrote a sizable portion, most of the lyrics too, yep. you know, and it's, you know, with barring the first album of John Rutsey, that's yep. his name. Yep. John it? Rutsey. You know, that's the only other dude really who was in rush you know the rest yeah. of it was them being a power trio through thick and thin you know and mm-hmm. it it's one of those things as well where it's like you see you see a you you see certain bands and you can tell it's like a business relationship whereas like with a band like you know rush for example it's kind of wholesome where you know they're like friends yeah you know well i mean you, know? you, you watch you watch any rush show i guarantee you several times during that show alex or getty will lean into the other one and whisper something to them and then make and makes the other one laugh and i'm all i want to know i want to know what they're talking about what did he say yeah. to him right there so it's almost like <laughs> they just have such a great time together and um and and it's, <laughs> and it's like that's the thing that's so great is that you know how some bands have a have a real lighthearted and fun way that they go about you know presenting themselves and yet and that ends up making people think the music is fucking jokey which is unfortunate mm. but Russia are a band that 
you know, if you if you're a really big fan of Rush, like the one of the one I think one of the words that you would say when people say, "Well, what kind of band was Rush?" like as people, I think "funny" would be one of the first things that you would say <laughs> is that they yeah. were <laughs> they were funny. But nobody is saying that Rush is a funny band. They're, you know, because their their music w- wasn't like that. You know, and they yeah. And so uh, and so that's I think that's pretty unique for them because they they do have that quality where it just seemed like they were always just having such a good time and always making each other laugh, but yet they were making this music that just fucking changed people's lives and 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 affect them even today. You know, even new new people getting into them, being affected by them. It's never going to stop. So um, mm. that's a that's just it's just. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. Like I can't imagine, you know, what it's like to be in a band like that. I know those dudes are probably humble as fuck about it, but still, you know, just being yeah. like, you know, that that a band that has that kind of fan base and has made that kind of mark in people's like in their lives, in their personal lives. You know, mm-hmm. some people listen to music and then they they move about their day, but I think there's with 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 bands like Rush, the fans like, you know, it shit's a part of your life. So it's gotta be uh it's gotta be crazy. Dedication. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah, I mean I mean like Roll the Bones itself, the song, you know, it 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 goes to show that they were never afraid of experimentation. Sure. And and that that shows it really shows in their music. You know, funky, sneaky rock track with like super kick ass new jack swing synth brass stabs in there and again and literally literally the chorus is like the lyrics of the chorus it's kind of like if you were going to explain like my mentality on things why are we here because we're here roll the bones why does it happen because it happens roll the bones it's like like that's literally how i feel and and i yeah i couldn't i could never because you think about it that's such a it's such a simple way to put it. Why does it happen? Because it happens. I could never yeah. have th- thought that up. Neil thought that up, and it and it's it so perfectly sums up just how I live my life. Like don't you know you can't can't get bogged down in the in the whys, and you know <laughs> because yeah. it, at the end it doesn't matter. There's a there's a way about the lyrics of this band that cause you to have an epiphany. Like, that, <laughs> yeah, that, that, like, like there, there's just like, there's certain times that, like this past month, I've just been binging this discography and mm-hmm. like, I was kind of, I feel like it, everybody has kind of like the post new year blues where you're kind of like, oh fuck, oh shit, another one of these. Yeah, <laughs> and it's yeah. like, you know, uh, but it, it, there were a few times during this you know, Roll the Bones in particular is one of those where it's like, damn, dude, you know <laughs> what? This, this guy's spitting some straight facts, you know? Yeah. And and even even if the, you know, even if you got like the tongue in cheek, you know, going to kick some gluteus max, yeah. you know, like yeah. even like how the fuck <laughs> did a song with that line make me feel such a deep psychological response. Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. 
And unfortunately, because for a lot of happens. people, that's the that's if, yeah. if, if unfortunately that that section is is what a lot of people harp on, and I'm just like, well, that's you know, that's when you know, yeah. I know I know we say that not everybody's ranking or everybody's opinion, um, you know, it's it's it, it's all valid, but I'd say there are certain people that are so closed off to shit <laughs> that I'm just like, yeah, your opinion means nothing to me because you're you're, you're so because it, it, there's there's a there's a point where you're so limited and focused in on certain aspects that just don't fit the mold of what you're wanting that you know if you're going to start spouting your opinions on things and i just go well i'm going to take that with a grain of salt with a fucking huge grain of salt <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> just a big old big old cube yeah but uh oh man like where were we in that album i don't remember <laughs> uh, we're literally on the title track okay. uh, i mean you know, again, I know I kind of we talked know, about bravado. I, I thought, we, yeah, we we had to we had to talk about the hilariously nineteen ninety one hip hop section, but all in all, that is an incredibly strong song. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, uh, Face up is this upbeat driving rocker. Mm-hmm. Uh, Where's my thing? Is funky. Yeah. Uh, you know, big wheel is this big cool rock song uh heresy is a power ballad sort of track i really like this one mm-hmm. uh ghost of a chance is oh. like secret a- secret agent music right here like, ghost of a chance I, is that's another one that's another one yeah um the fuck man i i believe <laughs> i believe there's a ghost of a chance we could find someone to love and make it last god fuck you neil <laughs> yeah <laughs> why you gotta do that to me I didn't. I, I didn't sign up to be psychoanalyzed. <laughs> you know? I know, man. But that's that's the thing. You like you, you put on one of these albums, and it it really is like the thinking man's rock and roll. You sure. know, um, neurotica, some cool whoa owing in the chorus. Always always keen for that. Uh, you you bet your life is this anthemic closer, and this album is very of its time in the best possible way. Like it, it like showcases it. It's no secret as to when it came out, (laughs) you know? Yeah. yeah. But, but the music is incredible, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, again, that's just an, uh, once again, another testament to the quality of this discography is just, for, for me to be praising an album that is 15 slots down <laughs> yeah <laughs> like like that you know yeah it's it's wild you know and and that is why roll the bones clocked in at my number 15 and i'm about to talk about some more incredible albums to come yeah. meanwhile over to you. Okay, uh, my number fifteen. Move, moving back into the two thousands. My number fifteen is Vapor Trails from uh, two thousand two. Um, and my and my my I, I actually went and listened to the original mix and the remix just to sort of remind myself of the of the differences between the two. And like I said at the end, I was like, yeah, it's pretty clear the remixed is uh, is it sounds better. Um. But this album is a, is a is a is a special album to me because it's not one of my absolute favorites. But there's a lot of things on it that I like, and this was the tour that I got to see them was on the Vapor Trails tour, and it was uh, 
And I remember that it was um, um, the tour where he may have done this more than once, but you know, you've got, you've got the stage set up and you've got Alex and he's got Marshall stacks behind him. And then you've got Getty and he has washing machines with loads of of laundry going in them behind him. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) I just thought that's fucking great. At some point I think they had fucking like rotisserie chicken ovens behind them too. Um, so like, I, that's, that's amazing. Great. But the one thing I remember, cause I, I went to go see them on that tour with my, my drummer of the band I was in at the time, who was a really big rush fan as well. And I remember at one point, you know, during, during one of the big tracks, t- probably Tom Sawyer, I don't know, but I just remember kind of looking around the place and I was like, this is a, an entire show filled with, with dudes and their sons, and they're all air drumming. <laughs> it was yeah. an, entire, <laughs> an entire sea of little kids and their dads, and they're all, they we're all doing, yeah. <laughs> we're all air drumming at the same time. And I love it, man. Yeah. And yeah. And it was, it was, I just remember it was the, it was uh, it was just an experience and it was fun. It was like you know a shared moment with all of these other dudes, you know, because you know if there you know it, it it is kind of a joke that there's never really any women at a at a rush show, <laughs> but I honestly don't remember seeing any at that one. <laughs> I don't, uh, um, but it's uh, I'm, I know they're there. I've seen concert footage where there are women. They're there, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, it really did feel like the. It's probably the best sausage fest I've ever been to. So, you know. <laughs> but anyway, that was a, that's a really big deal for this album because it was the new album at the time and I was, you know, I was really big on it and thought, you know, um cuz like cuz like you said, like this this came after a 6-year gap where, you know, not only did did Neil's daughter die in a car accident yeah. and then Neil's wife died months later from cancer. Awful. And then as yeah. the, as the story goes, Neil just got on his motorcycle and he just started riding. He force gumped it. Like he just, you know, yeah. he just left. And, um, and, and, you know, it, the reason why this album to me is so great is because there is an, a, 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 an energy that just, they sound like a reinvigorated band because you know that, you know, like I said, they, they went through a period where, you know, they were unsure if, you know, they were continuing at all. And now mm. they they made it back through, and it almost feels like they they needed it, like it's because, like you said, like it's it's a very it's uh their relationship with each other isn't a business, and so yeah. I think at the end of the day, even though you know Neil went through so much, and and you know the and Alex and 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 Getty were perfectly open to it being the end if that's what he wanted. Turns out he didn't. And it almost seems like that just d- gave him a kick in the ass and like, oh yeah, we love this. Like we love playing together and writing together. And I feel like it really comes across on the album. It has a really passionate vibe all the way through it. Yeah. Um, And, and honestly, songwriting wise, I would say compared to, to the, the things that were happening in the 90s, the songwriting on, on this album is actually a bit more adventurous not just in the the structure of the songs, but little things production wise 
with vocals and other stuff that they added in that I go, oh, it's like the more that you listen to it, the more you do hear like, oh, they they tried like some different shit. They just kind of, mm. you know, took some chances here and there. And it, some of it is stuff that you don't even catch the first time around. Um, but it's a really strong album. And honestly, like it's a it's a an album that does start off really strong. But then you get to the middle of the album and two of my favorite songs on the album, Secret Touch and Earthshine, are back to back kind of in the middle of the album. And I'm like, man, they, just, they had strong material like that far into the album. Mm. So obviously this is at 15 and I'm saying all these nice things about it. Um, So there is, there is still some of the middle of the road stuff. It's not really as, as, uh, as, as much of a problem as other albums, but really when it comes to the production, I honestly don't really, I would, I would do things to improve both of the versions. The remix version Mm. is missing something. And then there are problems with the original mix so it's to me it's kind of a thing where I go oh, I kind of I kind of don't know how I feel because like you know one does sound better but it's there's still some sort of energy that that it's taken out of it a little bit. You just um, got to play both at the same time. Yeah, like maybe that's mixes. what I I haven't thought about that. I'm gonna try that. <laughs> Crack the code. <laughs> I'm gonna take the album and put it in GarageBand and put them like right next to each other in either channel. So you're hearing. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know. That's that's that would be a fucking mess. Anyway. Um, I don't yeah. know, man. I think we've. I think we're onto something. I think, uh, <laughs> yeah. I think we should do that with all the Megadeth albums. We'll put like the shitty version <laughs> in one channel. Um, anyway, uh, but yeah, Vapor Trails is a really strong album to me, and has a lot of memorable moments. And it just, I to me, I love it because it just sounds like a band that's reinvigorated, and they're just like, we we still really want to do this, and um, it shows. So, um, but. They did all they they did so many fucking badass albums that that one has to go at number fifteen, um, and so uh, now we can move on to our to our last two of this episode. Now I am seriously debating on the fly. Do I swap my fourteen and thirteen? Well, you can, but you just you got to make that decision right now. Do it. Do you do you just go go with your heart. How do you feel? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Oh, man. Okay. okay. So, it's all right. So, so whatever. On the fly. On the fly change. So, so my number 14 What used to is, be your 13. It's, you swapped them. Yep. Gotcha. Because I listened, I listened to the other earlier today and had a sudden change of heart, but I forgot to change it on the list. Okay. Okay. So. 14. I, I, a reminder, this is me being completely fair to every part of their discography. Okay. My number 14 is Caress of Steel. All right. Okay. That's it. That's now, that I think that's one that's that's lower on some people's list, so it kind of makes sense. And I, I can kind of see why, because like there are fantastic moments on this. But there's also a consistency issue, and I'm gonna get into it. Okay, um, okay. So this is their first, so, the first '70s album that we're talking about. It is the first '70s album, the uh, the the third album from the '70s, but it's the first one we're talking about on this list. Yep. Uh, yeah. Cool. Bastille Day, killer opener. Love mm-hmm. how it rocks in the verses and really opens up in that chorus. Totally belongs on Greatest Hits. It's an, it's an amazing song. Sure. Uh, I think I'm going bold. I hope not. 
Uh, <laughs> but but uh, uh, the riff in it is really cool, but, you know, it's kind of more of a... I don't want to call it a novelty song, but it's like, you know, it is a good fun... It would belong on their first album, I think. I've, I've, I've heard that the title came about as kind of a joke. They're, they're kind of making fun of Going Blind by Kiss. Yeah. Because <laughs> they, tu- yeah, they toured together it. quite a lot. And so uh, that's the, another band we've done a three parter on. That if, was a fu- that was a fun so one. If you want to have more that, fun, you know, the Kiss three parter yeah. is a, is a lot of fun. It is, uh, yeah, man. Lakeside Park is this nice vibey yep. one. I love it. Um, and then closing out this like, side. Yeah, you're already yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like there's there's only like you know three individual just songs yeah and then the other two account for what is it like 32 minutes of the album's runtime yeah yeah like it, it's a weirdly structured album when you think about it because it's like it's like rush is rush is the type of band that's like yeah we're gonna like release an ep's worth of songs but like it's gonna be the same length as your average album like it's gonna have like five four or five songs on it but two of them are gonna amount to a half hour <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a big reason um, why their label hated it and could be why yeah. it initially it didn't sell very well either yeah like the necromancer like 12 and a half minutes and it's not even the longest track on the album yeah um i love the very spinal tap voiceover like this is the sort of stuff Spinal Tap we're, we're parodying. Yeah. But like the the real vibey beginning portion is gorgeous. And the riff at six and a half minutes in is fucking righteous. Like they go full upbeat Sabbath following this before going into this kind of soothing rock, like soft rock section. Fantastic stuff. I, th- I think it's underrated. Yeah. But I think... There are there's much stronger stuff in the seventies output. Uh and Fountain of Lamnath, twenty minutes, baby. Like the thing I love about Rush is the marriage of beauty and badassery, you know? Yeah. Like they'll lull you into relaxation only to pull you back in with a full on mosh riff. <laughs> like and um I love the amount of reverb on the drums on this song considering that this is a 70s record mm-hmm. you know an era for notoriously dry drums like and then holy shit they bust out this clean passage at about like five minutes 20 and which would be right at home on like an 80s thrash album you know with like one of those like spooky clean passages mm-hmm. like especially when the lead guitar goes over the top of it as well. Like I've heard Testament do stuff like that a lot. Yeah. Listen to the Testament ranking that we oh, did yeah. not too long ago. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it goes real smooth, like eventually bringing the loudness back in. And then eventually we return to that riff from earlier and come full circle. Like this album despite all of the praise I've just heaped onto it, barring the first three tracks it is an absolute commitment of a record to stick on which gives it a bit of a consistency issue okay. like i feel i feel like you know obviously the way the way the album is sequenced is 
a product of its time. You know, the, the running order had to fit on sides of an LP. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, you know, CDs and onward, you can kind of get away with, you know, unless you intend on intended on doing like a double album uh, sort of situation. But a- again, it's like to have three songs and then two epics on it is just kind of a, okay, whoa, <laughs> ooh, sort of thing, you know? And I feel like I've, I would have to be in the right mood to kind of commit myself to sit down to this album the way it's laid out. But, it, it, again, that's just a little bit of a hang-up for me, uh, personally. Yeah. Like, if I, if, I had it on, if I had it on vinyl, it would probably be easier. But I, I very often find myself, like, going for the first three tracks and then thinking... I mean, if I have, if I listen to the Necromancer, I've also got to listen to Fountain of Lamneth. Yeah. And like, they're awesome, but it's like, it's like a half hour, dude. I got stuff to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and I mean, and, but yeah, yeah, and it's and all that stuff. I think it's you know, because like you know that album came out, and like you know, the future of the band was was very uncertain because they even on the tour, it yeah. didn't do. They weren't doing very well on tour, um, and the label was you know, ready to just fucking get rid of them because of that album. And, um, it, I think it's one that for, for fans, it, you know, it, you know, it's become one that people really, really enjoy. I mean, honestly, mm. like I, that's my favorite thing. I like a lot of the albums that are kind of oddities, like, you know, running order is yeah. weird or there's some odd ideas, you know, on the album where it just, it feels like it doesn't quite fit. You know, it, it's a, it, it, it yeah. is, it is kind of a leap. If you, I mean, obviously, if uh, the album prior to that, if you take Fly By Night, you've got like Bytor and the Snow Dog, but that's kind of the only indication you got of where they would go with Caress of Steel. And they just went, they leaned fully into it on those tracks. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. 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 It, it's, it's good stuff. It's real good stuff, and yep. which, you know, lends it to being on the upper end of my bottom. But uh, that sounded funny. But uh, yeah, uh, ladies. Yeah, La- last last minute last minute place change. I can't remember the last time I did that. Okay, if uh, ever. Well, so the, the, I mean, I don't know where your next one's gonna go, but I like the fact that now you we we you've brought us into the seventies because I'm gonna keep us in the seventies. Um, my uh, my number uh, fourteen is uh, the debut self titled Rush wow. album from 1974. Um, okay fucking great album really mm. strong debut album obviously you know the only album with john rutsey on drums who is already he already sounds great as a drummer and so you know if they had continued with him i mean you know, it, it'd be like okay you got a great drummer but they, they just you know <laughs> they they fucking they they really lucked out you know um um and that's a real that sounds like a really mean thing to say because you know john you ended up not in the band mostly because of health problems <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then they got Neil, but, um, but still I feel like the story of rush, it was like a, what do you call that? Is that serendipity? Is that the, is that the right usage of that word? Um, I, I don't know. Things, I, things, ha- things happened in the, in the, in a, a very, uh, 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 positive way. I fuck. I don't know. It's a, you know, I don't know a lot about words, um, so I serendipity definition. He's he's using his future device 
to look the up. occurrence and development of events by chance in a happy or beneficial way. Yeah, that is exactly right. Bam. Back See? onto airplane mode. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm kind of smart. Um, so anyway, yeah. um, this, this ends up going here, even though like, uh, to me, I, I totally enjoy this album. But it, when it comes to Rush, this is still them trying to find their own style. Which is yeah. and, and it's interesting because like if you if the history of Rush like they had already been playing together for years, you know just doing smaller gigs and and stuff like that, and um, and so I really do think that the the, the really the only problem with this album is the fact that it sounds at times a little bit too much like other classic rock of the time. Um, I can and, see that. Yeah. And the, the the easy thing to say is it sounds like Led Zeppelin, but it doesn't really like like maybe some some of getty's vocals sound a little bit robert planty at times but you know i'm not a big led zeppelin fan and i would put on this album before any led zeppelin album so it's it's whatever Mm. um but and obviously you're missing neil peart's lyrics but i feel like for these particular songs there they would have been unnecessary anyway i feel like lyrically it kind of they kind of go together nicely um, but it is like, you know, energetic, good time, rock and roll. Like it's, you know, um, and uh, I would say that, you know, just like I said with, I was talking about Snakes and Arrows, about how, you know, even that's an album that I don't, isn't isn't in my top, it's still better than most of their contemporaries at the time. I would go as far as to say in 1974, Rush's debut was better than most bands' debuts in around that time. Um, very it's strong a good, album. It's a, yeah, it's a real strong way to just come right out of the gate. Yeah. And like, here's the thing as well. Like there are, you know, again, this could support the idea that the album is a bit quote unquote derivative of like other classic rock bands at the time. But mm-hmm. the thing is it, 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 it went to show like, I'll, I'll get to it in like a, in like a future episode. I won't tell, I won't tell you which one, but, uh, <laughs> the, like that debut rush album is like, there's a song on there that sounds like a black Sabbath song. There's a song on there that sounds like it's a kiss song. You could say some of the album sounds like fucking fog hat, you know, you could say, you know, and all sure. of these, like all of these seventies rock tropes are there, but they're all done exceptionally well. Agreed. Like, yeah. They, they would be among like the hits of those bands if those songs were done by those bands yeah well i mean you're talking about a song like what you're doing what you're doing i almost feel like it's an almost identical to a black sabbath riff well that down yeah it's i'm all like that sounds like a like a sabbath riff to me yeah um and not only that like when you get to like you know the what I would call the centerpiece of the album, even though it's not in the center. Um, Working man, um, yeah. It, the, the way that's the way the midsection of that song plays out, it reminds me of like, you know, Iron Man or War Pigs. The you know the, the, the it would speed yes. up and there'd be a faster part. Um, but not only that, like <laughs> the importance of this album is it, it's all it all lies on on Working Man because that was the reason that they broke like the album came out to very little fanfare. You know, some people liked it, didn't really get, you know, 
uh, much traction. But then, you know, a radio station in Cleveland started playing Working Man. It became a, a hit. And mm. then so that was that, you know, that song by itself is the is, you know, I'm sure they would have continued doing stuff, but who knows how long it would have lasted if they had not really had any success. So um, so Working Man was that, you know, the catalyst, I guess, um, that led to, you know, the long ass career of, uh, of Rush. So um, so it's a classic album. I, I really I love it. But, you know, it, it, it has to go lower because if somebody came to me and said, you know, what's a good Rush album for me to start with? I would never point them here <laughs> it's you know yeah, that that's the thing it's it's not indicative of where they would end up it's just yeah. a damn good 70s rock album agreed you know? agreed so that's why it's not really low but it, it had to be in this first episode because it while it's a great album it's i, I wouldn't call it a great rush album it's just kind of mm. great for what it is um but yeah so it ends up going here at number 14 Cool. So I, phew, my number thirteen that I that had used to, to be fourteen around, that used to be fourteen, and this being this low will probably shock you, but I oh. couldn't justify it knowing what was above it. So my number thirteen is. I'm nervous. It's hold your fire. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Okay. See, see, you you would think right. Yes. Me being the 80s guy. Yes. That this would be like super high, probably like maybe even like top three, right? Here's the thing though. Like this album, the rest of their 80s albums have like different vibes they'll kind of pull from. Sure. Whereas Hold Your Fire is the one of say if 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 you give their like kind of 80s synth albums a a trilogy of like you know grace under pressure power windows and hold your fire you know to an extent singles but i six signals sorry yeah yeah uh i feel like signals is a transition from their uh early 80s stuff to what they would do sure like they're it's still rooted in a little bit of rock, but it's got a lot more heavy synth on it. Anyway, I'm talking about Hold Your Fire. This one feels like, you know, there are fantastic songs on this album, as there are on all Rush albums. Mm -hmm. But this one has a vibe from start to end that it doesn't really deviate from an awful lot. Like, okay. yeah, you know, I can see that. It, whereas you've got some like real dramatic um left turns on um grace under pressure and power windows you don't really get an awful lot of surprises on this album uh -huh. it's just a it's just a good selection of like 10 80s synth heavy aor songs i love that <laughs> but if i'm assessing it as a rush album like you say would i point them to this album first and again it it comes down to this one isn't indicative of their style as a whole enough for me to, you know, have to, to be able to put it higher. So, like, Force 10 is this, like, further dive into more synth-heavy, album-oriented rock. Yeah. Love this song. Time Stand Still, my God. Excellent 80s pop rock song. 
and some of the most like existential lyrics yep. I've heard in a long time because it's like it's literally a, a, about like growing older and you know wanting to hold on to the moment well, but you can't you, you can't freeze time you, you need to be in in the moment the moment it's a, it's a, yeah and so it ends it ends, neil ends up writing again lyrics that like as i got older became so important to me because it's like you know not looking back stop to look around you because i that's become yeah. a thing that especially once i got into my 30s and got a little older i became really obsessed with if i was in a situation where i was really enjoying myself sometimes i, I literally will just stop and look at the room i'm in yeah, I, you know, like you know, the, the mental pictures of like, right now I feel great. I'm gonna take in every aspect of this moment, right now, you know, and I'm just like, you know, yeah, and it's and I feel like that's a lyric that you know, I mean, I'm, I'm you know, you clearly relate to it, but I think a lot of young people, it, the sentiment isn't quite as powerful as it as mm. it you know as it is when you're when you're a little bit older. I think people nowadays, especially my generation. I think with the way, you know, things have accelerated in, in the last like 10, 20 years, I think people get nostalgic far quicker than they used to. Yeah. Like it used to be, I feel as though it used to be, this is like getting really deep now, but like, Sorry? I feel as though it, it used to be, you had to wait until you were way into adulthood to start missing being a kid. Whereas like, I missed being a kid before I was 18, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I, I, like, I'm 23 now, you know? And I know that this song is going to be one of those that sticks with me and it's only going to mean more and more getting older. Yeah. Like, I've always been, you know, and this is not me tooting my own horn, I've, I've always been kind of uh, emotionally mature in the sense I'm very aware that I won't be around forever. Sure. And I want to enjoy as much as I can, you know. Um, and I would say, like, I had a really good... I had, a, I had an excellent childhood. The teen years were pretty difficult. They can be for a lot of people. Sure. But, like, in a, in a way, because I was such a... I was such an outcast. I was bullied a lot in, like, high school and shit. Uh, like, you wouldn't know it now. I mean, <laughs> look at these. <laughs> um, no, it's... Uh, it, for me, I look back on childhood far more nostalgically than I do for my teen years, but I've started feeling things for, you know, my the latter half of my teen years when things were good, yeah. you know, getting better than they were. And I'm starting to think, wow, I wish I had like kind of, I wish I still had some of the optimism that 16 year old me had, you know? Yeah. yeah. Because there is like sort of this blissful ignorance when you're younger to certain things and eventually you know you become aware of things and it it, it it there comes a point in your life where it's kind of up to you to sort yourself out emotionally find out who you are what you can handle what you want to do with your life and this i, I want to rock song in yeah had to lighten the mood there real quick <laughs> this is where like twisted sister just poof in behind me yeah. you know, <laughs> but I, you know you, you, but, it's a good it's a good point because like i've i've found though that i i don't i don't miss being a kid or being young mm -hmm. at all 
Like I don't, when it comes to that sort of thing, I I've found that over the years, I don't miss that at all. I would never want to go back to even being in my twenties. But the thing that wow. I do miss is the feelings of particular yeah. things. So that's why like, you know, especially on my channel, I talk so much about music from when I was younger because those are the things that gave me the feelings. And so I experienced those feelings through the music. And so that's why, you know, the the stopping to look around thing is a lot more important because it's like, you know, the feeling of it all, I, I don't really care when it happens because I know that like the, the feelings that I had that affect me now that I had when I was 13 or whatever, somebody else who's just now 13 is experiencing those in some other way. It has nothing to do with the time period. It has to do with the actual feelings. And so those have become a lot more important to me. And that's, you know, and a lot, so much of that is tied into music, um, somewhat into movies. Um, but, you know, it's just that thing. The, 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 I, I guess that's, that's, um, we're, we're kind of lucky in that respect because I think, you know, years and years and years and years ago, you know, that, you know, maybe what, what, what is it? Was it a book that you read? Do you even have that book? Can you even find that book anymore? If you're in the 1800s, yeah. you know, it's like, you know, remember back, you know, <laughs> back in the day when we, somebody told a story, you know, we, but we're lucky enough to, to be able to take those things and still experiencing them now um, with yeah. music and, and other things like that. That's why, like, I never, you know, as much as people like to talk shit about the negatives of the internet and modern yeah, technology, um, I also look at it as go, well, in the future, like, I mean, some of these things are, you know, not, not just now, but in the future, it's really, it's, it's actually making a lot of people's lives probably better in certain ways because of, yeah. you know, being able to experience these positive feelings because those kind of things can help you uh, get through tough times that are happening now. And so, um, yeah, sorry, I got, we got, we got pretty deep there, but you know, it's, but the, a song like Time Sand still brings that out. It brings that, that those yeah. emotions out. I think it's good to have a have a wholesome edge to our podcast every now and again, isn't it? But, isn't, uh, it isn't it great that we're all better people? <laughs> Fishy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that was our that oh. was our after school special moment where we we get um, really uh, uh, heartfelt. But you know, I, I'm, I, sure, I'm sure I'm sure that won't be the last time it happens. I, I'm just gonna state here, just before we move on, how like how fucking epic would it have been if like during the part in Ferris Bueller where he says, you know, time moves fast. If you don't, you know, you know, life moves real fast. Yeah. If you don't look around and enjoy it, sometimes you could miss it. You know, how epic would it be if Time Stands Still was out just before the movie, so Time Stands Still could have played there. Oh. Just saying. I that wonder, I wonder like if Hughes, Hughes would third have been down for that. Yeah, that's. Um, I feel. I feel like you could do that, that. Somebody should put together like a TikTok video of that, where you have the quote I, and then you have timestamps. I bet still. it's been done Probably. like twelve years ago on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, most likely. But yeah, like, oh man, o Open Secrets is this big, airy, vibey, synth-driven AOR. Yeah, love the atmosphere of the middle section. Second Nature, like this album is That's very power ballad. Another one, yeah. Like even in its most rocking moments, this album has this like power ballad edge to it mm. that like it makes it a very heartfelt 
album, I think. You yeah. know, Prime yeah. Mover is like upbeat major key stuff. Love that. Uh, lock and Key. I'm, oh man. And I mean this in a good way because I fucking love them. Lock and Key gave me a kind of 80s Toto vibe. Mm-hmm. You know, and like, if you're going to get that from an album, you're going to get it from this one. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, God, Mission is another one where it's like, like the mission is pretty much a montage song. It's awesome. Um, turn the page. I like how the guitars and synths entwine on the eighties rush stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taishan Eastern feel to this one. Really cool. And uh, high water groovy closing track. It's very eighties, right? But it's not as memorable from a song perspective as some of the other 80s albums. Sure. And so that's why I tragically had to dock this album a few spaces because were it to be more memorable, it would probably be in my top yeah. like six. Yeah. Well, you know what, sir? You are not alone. Uh, my number 13 hey! is also Hold Your Fire from 1987. Ah, two matchups. Yeah, two matchups in this episode. Um, hey. Yeah, this was one that... it. This is actually the one that I struggled with actually putting it lower or higher in the list. Um, mm. But, you know, once I figured out, oh, it's probably going to go here. I was like, well, it's got to be it's got to wrap up. It's got to be number one of the of the lower third. Um, yeah. So it's. I, I I remember hearing somebody say that it was the ultimate 80s rush album, and I'm like, uh, I beg to differ on that one. I, I will get to the, mm. the one that <laughs> I think really sounds 80s. Um, but this one definitely does have its its moments for sure. Um, I don't really have a whole lot more I can add aside from what uh, what you said about it. I, I feel like this is one that's underrated and sometimes gets thrown to the very end of people's lists. And I think that that's unfortunate because it has a really strong energy to it. I think that's because 70s snobs have an aversion to reverb being used on anything. Maybe. Like, you know. I, yeah, I, I don't know. It doesn't, it's, it's definitely not. Room sound is not the real sound of the instrument. It has to be dry as fuck for it to be real music, you know? Um, yeah. I, I love the way this album sounds. Um, I, I do think that maybe initially I think the first time I heard this album all the way through um it didn't really connect with me because I don't think at first listen there's a whole lot to sink your teeth into like you're saying it's a little bit the vibe is just kind of through throughout the album but yeah it's got so many great songs on it and it's definitely a grower like it's it is one that over the years is uh I, I put it on a lot and I just enjoy it it doesn't it did the sure, sure it doesn't have the variety of other rush albums but with songs like Time Stand Still and Second Nature, these, these amazingly well-written songs. Um, plus, you know, um, it, just, it just sounds good to me. I don't know what it is about this because it, it has a real sort of warm and um, meaningful vibe going on all the way through it. And I, um, I've always really liked that. Um, so, it, but, it, but in the end, it, at this point, you're we're putting these albums up with, you know, absolute fucking classic albums that <laughs> some of, some of which, um, I mean, once we get into the next episode, you're going to have, you know, me talking about albums that are pretty much perfect. 
Um, you know, yeah. I, I would, you know, not, I can't say one bad thing about them, but yet you still have to put them in some kind of order and that's, you know, <laughs> but hold your fire is great. And, um, it definitely is one that I don't, I think deserves a lot more respect than it gets. Cause it's just, it's got so much great shit on it. Um, but yeah, that's the, that's, that, that's the, uh, that wraps up our, uh, our bottom third of the rush discography. Damn. And I feel, I feel Damn, like Daniel, <laughs> I feel like, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird how focused we've been. There's been very little actual tangents that like took us away from rush. They were all very related to, to rush. Yeah. This, this here, like the, the only tangents we've been on have been like deep philosophical, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like, like normally we talk about like stupid, haha, poopy, funny shit. Like yeah. today we're today we're like, what is the meaning of life? <laughs> Let's, it's a, it's, maybe we, maybe we need yeah. a, maybe we need a palate cleanser. We need to wrap it up by saying titties and dicks and balls. All right, everybody. Titties, dicks, and balls. <laughs> that's, the, that's, the, that's the cranked and wanked version of peanut butter <laughs> Cranked and wanked. Um, but yeah, so that, that's, the, that's part, part one of the Rush trilogy. Oh, I like that. Yes. I don't know why Ooh. I wasn't calling that that in the beginning. Um, and, Very um, official. Yeah, it's if if some of you are annoyed at the fact that it's just been a, a utter love fest, then don't bother to watch or listen to the other two parts because <laughs> it's not going to get any better. Um, but uh, at least now, at least now we got. We, we, I feel good that we've gotten into this, and um, um, there's a whole yeah, there's a whole lot of albums that you know we we maybe weren't doubled up on it with the number but we both talked about a lot of things and got them out of the way in this one so we've got man we got some fucking ground to cover really um yeah so yeah like looking at the albums we haven't talked about like holy shit yeah <laughs> so uh so as usual um peanut butter platypus to uh to you guys i'm holding up my mug that says peanut butter platypus because you should go buy a mug or a hat or a shirt or something um throw us uh throw us some 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 bones roll the bones our way <laughs> hey <laughs> um but yeah um thanks for joining us for part one of rush um you know i'm sure a lot of you will be here ready for uh, part two and part three and you know there, there those of you out there that stick with us no matter what um you guys are the are the reason we do this and make it make it uh fun um but in this particular case it's uh it's also uh, doesn't hurt that we're getting to talk about Rush. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, that's it for this episode of Cranked and Ranked. Um, thank you very much for joining us. We will see you next time for part two of Rush. And as usual, I'm just going to wrap it up real quick. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm real curious to see what the voice is going to be this time, but let's find out. I'm going to do a build-up, building up to it. We're building up to it, and then we're going to find out. You better not let us down, Eddie Sparks. I'm throwing it over to Eddie Sparks. To take us out. Light a dude away from here. Trying my life again. Light a dude away from here. <laughs> wow. You can hit some fucking notes, dude. Oh. <laughs> Holy shit, man. <laughs> that feeling when you hit a note and you surprise yourself. <laughs> It's like a Mariah Carey fucking whistle note. Woo! <laughs>
Holy shit, man. Oh, oh, oh. you're welcome.